You wait for the buck beneath the bushes, arrow at the ready. How long had you been hunting the beast now? Days? A week, at the least. The ache in your bones gives you the answer, but it will be worth it. He is larger than any deer you've ever seen, tall and proud with fur like the first snow of winter. His massive antlers reaching for the sky like the branches of the old oaks. It will be the trophy of a lifetime. It is near dawn before the forest stirs. You've half drifted off amongst the shrubs when you hear it. The sound of twigs crunching beneath mighty hooves. The sound brings you back to the waking world fully. More alert than you've ever been before, you watch through the bushes as your prize moves into view. He is glorious in the approaching moonlight, his white fur almost glowing a godly blue as he makes his way to the river. It cuts the forest in two, water as crystal clear as freshly blown glass. It's hard to make out the beast completely beneath the flora that conceals you, but it does not matter. As the stag takes a long drink from the river, his chest comes into view. An arrow through the heart is all you need, and you are a good enough marksman to make it. You draw back your bow, and the quiver sings as the arrow finds its way to the deer. One shot, just one shot, and the target is hit. It cries out, stumbles for a brief second and hits the forest floor, limp and lifeless. You stand up, crying out triumphantly. Your muscles tingle and ache from crouching in the shadows, but it does not matter. You did it. But it does matter to someone. A screech of agony silences your triumph. A girl tumbles from the beast's back, and kneels beside him. No, not a girl, a woman, a beautiful woman. She's as pale as the moon herself. Her golden hair trailing behind her is teased by the wind as she looks down at the fallen buck. She speaks in a language you do not understand, but it feels ancient and forgotten. She pulls away the arrow and places a hand over the deer's heart. Her free hand retrieves a mixture of herbs from a small satchel on her hip. She places them in the buck's mouth and continues in this unknown tongue. He begins to chew. Not only that, the beast rises up, its wounds fully healed, its life restored. She whispers something in its ear and you could have sworn you saw the creature nodding before disappearing in the forest. When her eyes, like fire, finally find yours, she walks, no, glides, to stand before you. You are speechless. She is beautiful but terrifying, and the silvery sound of her voice is like a knife pressed to your throat. It brings you joy to hide in the shadows and harm the creatures here, in my forest. Before you can speak, the woman changes before you, no longer a beauty, but a beast, 
Wings take the place of arms. Talons take the place of feet. The loveliness of her face is swallowed by feather and beak, until her eyes, the eyes like fire, are the only things that remain of the maiden you first saw. She flies a few feet above you. Two balls of fire clutched in either set of talons. Let us see how you like it. Let us see how you like being hunted, mortal. The forest fades from your sight. All you can see, feel, breathe, is fire. Only fire. Greetings from the shadow world, and welcome to Humble Hauntings, where ghost enthusiasts and lovers of the unknown can pull up a seat and make themselves at home. I am your host, MJ McAdams, part-time shadow person, full-time supernatural seeker, and today we are walking through the fire for tales as sinister and all-consuming as the element itself. This episode is the second installment of the Spirits of the Element series, and these stories all have one thing in common. They are all connected by the powerful and ever-hungry force that is the flame. What fire does not destroy, it hardens. The beauty of this quote from Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray is that it rings true both literally and figuratively. The hardships of life shape us, and if we can walk through life's fire and survive, then we are made stronger for it. If not, we are consumed by it entirely, like the oaks against a raging forest fire. Stories are much the same. Some tales are lost to us, scattering like ashes in the winds of time. But some, some tales are forged in the fire, like the tempered steel of a sword. They grow stronger with the flames, unyielding to tragedies in Burglow. has often found its way into our myths and legends, inspiring creatures both fearsome and mysterious. In Greek mythology, the Lampids were torch-bearing nymphs who served Hecate, the goddess of magic. They would accompany her as she traveled by night, the mystic flames of their torches cutting through the darkness. But while the light of their torches aided the great goddess on her journeys, it was said that any mortal who saw the flame would be driven into madness. But these weren't the only ladies of the flame. In Bulgarian folklore, the Soma Diva, a wood-dwelling nymph, also had a knack for fire. The Soma Diva were described as beautiful, slender women with pale skin and long blonde hair. They wore gowns that flowed like a summer's breeze and had eyes that burned as bright as the sun. Men who saw them or heard their singing would instantly fall in love and chase them across the forest until the Soma Diva had drained every last ounce of their life force. They were known for their dancing, which they would do in groups from dusk until dawn. 
accompanied only by the rhythm of the wind and the melody of their harmonized voices. They swayed their hips and spun around gracefully until the sun rose. And then they vanished. Lost folk or travelers that came across the Somadeva dancing would feel drawn to dance with them. But, unable to keep up with the powerful nymphs, they were said to perish of exhaustion come morning. Somadeva were neither good nor evil. They were the raw energy of the wild and did what they saw fit. They could help crops grow or cause a drought. They could steal men's lives away or take them as lovers and bear them powerful children destined to be heroes. But whatever your opinions of the Somadeva were, there was just one rule you had to follow. The most important rule of all when it came to these nymphs. Never make them angry. If angered or threatened, these beautiful and powerful creatures transformed into giant and fearsome birds with the ability to throw balls of fire from their claws. They were not merciful. And if enraged to this point, only one thing was certain. Your fate was most definitely to be determined in a trial by fire. For the indigenous Mapuche people of South Central Chile, creatures of fire were not to be taken lightly. In their beliefs, the Charufe, a being of fire and rock, sat waiting deep in the magma pools of the Chilean volcanoes. This creature was not kind, and its hunger for destruction could only be quenched by one thing, the taste of human flesh. The Charufe was a powerful beast, one that made earthquakes rip across the land and volcanoes erupt in a merciless fury. A human sacrifice, while a horror in itself, was believed to be the only way to save hundreds, if not thousands, of lives. So sacrifices were made, and those chosen would be thrown from the edge of a volcano into the sea of lava below. The sacrifices in question well, as traditional in most tales of monsters and sacrifices, was a virgin maiden, young and innocent, and in the Charufe's eyes, a delicacy. It's not always mythical creatures that fill our mind with both fear and curiosity. There is something far closer to home, and yet further away than our minds can comprehend. Spirits. Call them ghosts, specters, phantoms, or revenants. No matter what you call them, these souls of humans past have eluded us throughout history and still remain beings that fill us with fear and hope. Passing through our imagination, and guiding our beliefs of what truly lies beyond the grave. Some are benevolent. Some are merely shadows of the past, a time loop on display for us to witness. Some spirits, however, do mean us harm. As there are good and evil in this world, so are there ghosts, both innocent and malicious. 
Some even have the fire in them to burn our lives to the ground. Fire poltergeists. They are known to be powerful, relentless, and not as uncommon as we'd hoped they'd be. No one knew this better than the Tuck family. In 1959, Calvin Tuck, his wife Willie Bell, and their six children lived in a small house that was plagued by unexplainable fires. All four rooms were destroyed by smoke including most of the family's personal belongings. Fires would randomly ignite on the ceiling, and other times, a mattress would be set aflame by some phantom arsonist. On one occasion, a loaf of bread even spontaneously burst into flames right before the family's eyes. But when this series of fires seemed determined to take down their family home, the tucks were forced to move. The fire department had been called many times due to these strange fires, more than 50 in total. But the final time they were called, the blaze seemed relentless, with new fires bursting from the home every 15 minutes. Local authorities and the fire department were baffled. The house had no electricity and no stove or candle was ever left unattended. There was no explanation to them other than arson. All they could do now was continue the investigation. But one thing was clear. The Tucks could not stay there any longer. So with heavy hearts and not a penny to their name, the family moved to a local tenant house, believing the worst to be behind them. They were wrong. As soon as they settled into their new home, four new fires broke out, forcing them to leave. The family then turned to Calvin's brother-in-law, Darnell Suttle. Five fires broke out the first day of their arrival. Shortly after these phantom flames refused to relent, the Tuck family was asked to leave. Finally, they settled some 20 miles from their original home to move in with Calvin's father. But when the fires continued, Calvin Tuck decided enough was enough. This was not the work of some random arsonist. Calvin and his family hadn't even told anyone where they were going when they moved in with his father. This was something greater than some petty criminal. This was something altogether quite supernatural. Calvin Tuck turned to a local voodoo doctor who listened to his story and determined that the Tuck family was hexed by a powerful spirit. He gave him a spell and the ingredients needed to lift the hex and then sent him on his way. We don't know much more after this. The fate of the Tuck family has been lost to time. A handful of newspaper clippings, the last remaining proof of their hardships. The local police investigated the case for some time, convinced it was the work of one of the young Tuck children, nine-year-old Calvin Jr., who many believe was coerced 
into saying that he had a love for playing with matches. Hardly anyone believed this, including much of the police department and the firefighters who witnessed the flames for themselves. Even if a boy his age did set things on fire, how was he able to cause the ceiling to catch flame? And what of the items that spontaneously burst into flames, such as a loaf of bread? Many accounts state that he and his siblings had been out of the house when many of these fires occurred. No, this explanation was much too simple. A local authority trying to make sense of a situation that had no rational explanation. For the unknown sparks more fear into the hearts of humans than the sight of fire. The supernatural, while not a comforting answer, sometimes is the only answer, whether we like it or not. Stick around after this word from our sponsors to hear the tale of another family plagued by a poltergeist who had a knack for fire. In the countryside of Antigonesh, there is a place known as Caledonia Mills. On a humble farm in Caledonia Mills lived three individuals, Alexander and Mary MacDonald, and their 16-year-old adopted daughter, Mary Ellen. For years, all was well. Quiet, even. But one day, that all changed. On January of 1922, a fire sprung forth in part of the house. The McDonald's snuffed it out at once, but they were puzzled, you see. This fire wasn't an ordinary one by far. Its source was unknown. Nowhere near a fireplace nor any other flame. And just as soon as the initial fire was put out, another one erupted on the opposite side of their home, again near no flame that could provide its origin. This continued on for some time, tormenting the McDonald's and their poor daughter. Whether on a wet rag or the peeling wallpaper, their house would be met with a spontaneous fire almost daily. Even the barn was not immune to such abuse. The stored milk the family kept would be found full of ashes. Small fires would break out in their barn house, and after it was put out, the family would find that the livestock had been moved around to various stalls, some with their tails even braided. Soon the arson became so frightening and devastating to the McDonald's that they put together a sort of neighborhood watch to find the criminal that had been tormenting them. Though no such person was ever found. After pleas from their neighbors and fire after fire plagued them, the family was finally convinced to relocate at the urge of local officials. The police would investigate these fires and find the culprit. Only they never did, and the McDonald's never went back. Police weren't the only ones to investigate these strange activities in Caledonia Mills. 
Some spiritualists even sought out the cause of the fires, believing it to be poltergeist activity. Even Arthur Conan Doyle, author of the beloved Sherlock Holmes novels, came to study the farm as he himself was a firm believer in the spiritual world. Some people believed it was due to their daughter, Mary Ellen, who came to be known as Mary Ellen Spook. They believed that the girl was simple, with the mental capacity of a four-year-old at best. They believed she was subjected to a powerful spirit, which through her committed the arson of Caldonia Mills. But this was never proven, nor was the mystery of this farm. While some called her simple, others say Mary Ellen was a healthy, well-adjusted girl for her age. And when she moved away from the family farm, she never experienced the fires again. To this day, no one can say for sure what happened on that farm. But one thing is certain. It is a mystery that even the strongest winds could not snuff out. Fire, a powerful element, and not one to be taken lightly. Like most elements, it can give as much as it can take away. It has inspired countless tales of mystical beasts, from dragons and the great phoenix to the more obscure creatures like the Charufe or the Somadiva. And sometimes, fire sheds light not only on the living world, but the world beyond the grave. Whether a benevolent light to guide our path and warm our homes, or a burning force with the rage of a poltergeist, it's an element whose power knows no bounds and whose hunger can never be quenched. Thank you for joining me today at Humble Hauntings, a show where the lovers of the unknown will always have a home. If you like this episode, please feel free to leave a review, subscribe, or even share it with friends and loved ones. There's always room for one more in this humble family, and when it comes to hauntings, the more, the merrier. But until next time, Spookables, remember, home is where the haunt is.